when a person decides to sell themselves, they are not only helping themselves financially, and you know, they're also helping themselves like personally. And when I say that, I mean with them investing in themselves, right? So if they're investing in themselves, they're helping themselves personally, but then when they decide to go out and sell themselves, they're helping somebody else who then in turn is now personally helping themselves and that person can now go help someone else and it just keeps flowing. What happens in between is all about the awkward middle phase of entrepreneurship. You know, after you've taken your first steps, but before you can live off your passion. Join me, Athena, as I learn from other emerging creators about the tactical and emotional methods they use to keep moving forward after the initial excitement of following your dreams meets the reality of following your dreams. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to What Happens in Between. Today, I have Miss Ashley Allison, who is a sales and marketing expert that helps service-based entrepreneurs scale to consistent 5K months. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Cannot wait to get into it. Great. So one thing that I love about you is your distinct voice. And just to quote you, <laughs> you trigger people. <laughs> you choose violence every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> uh, I love that. How did you... How did you develop this voice for your persona? You know, I would imagine as a person, you've always had it, but in terms of in your marketing. Yeah. In the beginning, I, <laughs> I was like treading very lightly. Everything was very cookie cutter. And I realized like behind the scenes when I would talk to my clients or even like coaches, you know, they would say that I wasn't, they were surprised at how I was showing up online versus like the real me behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And as I kept hearing that, I'm like, you know what? Like, screw this. I have to like show up as who I really am. And that's really how I started to get that distinctive voice is just like starting to be me authentically. And I feel like in the beginning, we're scared to really say the things that we want to say because we're afraid to like offend someone or someone takes something the wrong way, or you're scared that they're not going to agree with you. But isn't that kind of what it is? You know, as a mm -hmm. coach, it's like you have to be a thought leader. And if you're just kind of going based off of what everyone else says, then you still fall back into that cookie cutter place. And so I was just kind of like, you know what, I'm going to show up, be authentically me and say the things that I want to say that I feel and I resonate with. And it's okay if people don't resonate with that because I really don't want everyone to resonate with everything that I say. I feel like my ideal client and the people that are meant to work with me and also just be in my network, you know, we're going, we're, we're going to be aligned on things. And mm -hmm. the people that, that don't feel me, that they're not aligned with me, that's, that's fine. Like, you know, unfollow me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's back up a little and get some background on you. You've been in the coaching game for about two years. Was it always sales and marketing that you were offering? No, absolutely not. I wish because I would probably, <laughs> I would probably be close to like four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars in revenue by now. 
if I, you know, started out with sales and marketing in the beginning, I started out how everyone else did, where it's like, I'll help you with your goals. I'll help you get unstuck. I'll Mm -hmm. help you with all the things. I'll help you become your best self. That's how I started out. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I really started to realize like, no, Ashley, what are you actually helping people with? Or what are you actually like good at? And I realized what I was helping people with and what I was really good at was sales and marketing. So that's when I hired a coach that really helped me niche down into, into sales and marketing. And she had to bring it out of me. Like she had to literally say to me, girl, you're not like, what you're doing right now with helping people with their overall life and getting unstuck that's not Mm -hmm. what you're actually passionate about what what you're actually passionate about is sales and marketing so yeah forever grateful to her because who knows where I would be (laughs) if I didn't work with her right right so do you feel like people can tap into their innate gift or that thing that really does get them excited without a coach I think that people tap into it. Like I was tapped into it. It's Mm -hmm. just, I needed an outsider to tell me what I was actually tapping into. Yeah. You know, so I think it's kind of like being, you just don't know what you don't know. Like you're just ignorant to the fact of this is what you're passionate about, but you don't realize that that's what you're doing. Right. It's kind of like you're trying, you're doing the right thing under the wrong label. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yep. (laughs) Nice, 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 nice. So tell me about your worst mistakes and what you learned from it. Oh, gosh. I have a lot of bad mistakes. I would say my worst mistake was not working with someone sooner. It was Mm -hmm. not hiring a coach sooner. It was thinking that I could like do this on my own without needing help from someone that was an expert in already doing it. Like I thought I could just Google my way to, you know, starting to sign consistent clients. Mm -hmm. That would definitely be my worst mistake because I know for a fact, there's so many other people that I could have worked with whose lives I really could have changed. But because I didn't take the step to invest in myself first, those people probably, you know, are either still where they could be, still where they were, right? Or, you know, they decide to work with someone else. So that would definitely be my biggest mistake. Mm -hmm. One thing that I find really interesting about you is you're you're very into the high-touch, small group. And I have had the experience where I sign up for these $1,000 courses but it's like a group of a hundred of us and it's like a zoom call once a month or something like this. And I'm like, okay, I did it. I invested. (laughs) Where's my money? (laughs) Throw me my coins, sis. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I think entitlement is the word that you use Mm -hmm. where you're like, a lot of your clients come to you uh, entitled. Yeah. How do you work past that with your clients? Yeah. So, (laughs) so I know that a lot of my clients, when they come to me, they have already probably invested in a thousand dollar, $2,000 course Mm -hmm. or group coaching program have sat on these calls with a hundred plus other people had their coaches just kind of whisk through their questions that they have within like 30 seconds to a minute. And they're feeling just like at a place of what next, what should I do? Because 
I've invested and I had no ROI. So I Mm -hmm. know where they are within their customer journey, like when they come to me. And so the first thing that I handle with my clients is their mindset and their entitlement. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't market this. I don't talk about it because I don't want to confuse people and have them thinking I'm a mindset coach. I'm not. But because I've been where they are, literally been where they are, I'm able Mm -hmm. to speak to them about it. And so we cover mindset. Like this is the very first thing. And I just tell them like, listen, I know that you've come from a place where you're kind of feeling a little bit of like burnt by a coach. But at the end of the day, you know, we have to remember that like, this is our journey and we're not, we can't, we're not inevitable to like failure. And I put failure in quotes because I feel like we have to have failure and make mistakes to like kind of fail forward, you know? So we also have to remember like the investments that we make, everything is a risk. The business is a risk. Everything is a risk, you know? And so I just go through that with them. And then I also talk about like consistency in a sense, like, you know, sometimes we'll do something once, like we'll watch the course once or join a group coaching session once. And we think like, oh, where's my results? Or it's like when you work out one time and you're like, how come I don't have abs? Sometimes we just need to be consistent. You know, so there's so many different mindset things that I go through with my clients where I just kind of coach them through it. And then I also tell them like, you can't, your your entitlement does, and, and the reason that you've invested in a coach does not mean that you get to skip all of the hard work that all the rest of us had to do. You don't get to skip it just because you've had a coach or just because you've hired a coach or just because you spent $20,000. I had spent around 20 grand and I still wasn't signing clients consistently, but I kept moving forward and I let that ego of my entitlement, my sense of entitlement of like, well, I've invested 20K. How come I'm not making, you know, 10K months yet? I let that go. And because I let it go, I was able to still move forward with an open mind and not, you know, self-sabotaging myself. And so I think that that's very important that people kind of sit the ego down, sit the entitlement down and really just focus on doing the work and doing it right consistently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that because not enough people think of maintenance as a worthy Mm -hmm. goal. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not sexy at all. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) It's not fun, but it is the thing that it's like, okay, so, all right, congrats. You got your, your two pack or your four pack, whatever. Right. But you got to keep it up, you know? Right. Like once you're not getting that, that sort of rush, that hit of dopamine, dopamine when a new Mm. level is achieved Mm -hmm. or something like this, it's Mm -hmm. really hard to stay consistent. Right. Yeah, because we end up going right back to our our normal happy. Like, you know how you're mm-hmm. saying, like, we get all excited and we're this and we're that. And then we come right back down to where we usually are with our, you know, level of happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough cycle. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but this is why, like, I like to tell my clients, like, you have to live in the present moment and stop thinking on autopilot and stop chasing stuff. Like Mm -hmm. if we're always chasing the next best thing, are we ever really like enjoying what we have accomplished? You know, like I remember a point in time when I wanted to just sign one client. And so it's like, 
when you start signing clients consistently or you get to like that next milestone and that next goal that you wanted, are you actually like celebrating it and seeing how far you've come versus like, oh my gosh, I only signed six people and I wanted to sign 10 people. You know what I mean? It's like, we'll go back to the times where you just wanted to sign anyone. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that kind of gratitude or that reframing of it is really important and it's hard to it's hard to do on our own because of I mean the marketing of everything where it's like don't you want to get bigger you want to get bigger and right. in your marketing mm-hmm. how how do you keep that that sense of groundedness where it's like yes I want you to to get bigger and better sign more clients but also let's talk about like wh- how far you've come do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, I'm always, well, I always had, I'm, I'm known as the trigger queen. So <laughs> I'm always being, I'm always keeping it a hundred with stuff. Like I'm always mm-hmm. being very, you know, transparent about stuff. And I only talk about the things that I've been through. And so when I'm like going through something or I've been through something, it's easy for me to speak on those points. And I think that that's how I keep myself grounded because I see other people and what they're doing online. So for an example, like I'm scrolling on Instagram, which I rarely ever do. I'm like one of the people that I post and I ghost Mm -hmm. and then I'll come back and just like engage with, you know, people that have commented, things of that nature. But if I am like scrolling on Instagram and I'll see someone and it's kind of like, you can just tell that they're so hungry. And then I put myself back in that place and then I'll create a caption around that where I am essentially kind of grounding myself, but also grounding my audience as well, Mm -hmm. like my community, where it's like, I see you, I know you're hungry, I know you want this, but let's like, come back to the present moment, let's ground ourselves, let's make sure that we're reflecting back on all the different things when you just had the idea, and you didn't know where, how to like start, or what to do. And now, you know, you're, you've signed your first client, or you signed your five clients, like, let's celebrate that. Let's, you know, keep that at the forefront with your progress. So I always like to tell people those many like milestones, those small things that you think don't matter, those small little accomplishments, they always compound into these big goals when you look back mm-hmm. on it, you know, at the end of the year or whenever, whenever it happens. So I, that's like one of the biggest ways that I stay grounded and then also keep my community grounded as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so going back to this concept of maintenance, how do you get yourself, Ashley, to mm-hmm. do those things you don't want to do consistently? <laughs> I do them first. Mm. <laughs> like I talk about this so much. I say anything that I don't feel like doing, one is working out. I'm not a morning person and I knew that if I didn't work out first thing in the morning, it wasn't going to get done because Mm -hmm. I was going to just procrastinate on it or, you know, I was going to like wind down at the end of the day at five o'clock, five thirty, and I'm not going to feel like doing it. Therefore, Mm -hmm. I have to do it first thing. And so before COVID, like I was getting up at 5 a.m., which was insane, getting up at 5 a.m. and going to the gym in working out. But what I realized was that, okay, what is the after effects of me working out early in the morning and getting it done? One, it's getting done. 
Mm-hmm. Two, I'm making healthier decisions with my eating habits throughout the day because I don't want to kill the workout that I just lost an hour or two of sleep for. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> three, like I'm moving my body. I'm feeling better, you know, like, so I realized that when I just do the things that I don't feel like doing first, they get done. My life is better because of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it consistently. So that's the same thing with like any task that I have, anything where I'm just like, oh, I don't feel like doing this. I do it first. Or if it's a really big task, I do it first. Now mm-hmm. that I'm making more money within my business, you know, there are things like outreach and visibility. It's I don't like doing it. Mm-hmm. And so now I've been able to outsource that. You know, I have someone that I brought on and she does this for me. But in the very beginning, that would be the things that, you know, I didn't feel like doing. I did it and I did it first. And I think like people really need to understand that all of this stuff that you don't feel like doing are the things that's going to get you closer to your end goals. Mm. But you're not hitting your end goals as fast as you want to because you're not doing the things that you don't feel like doing consistently. It's so true, though. It's like success is literally on the other side of everything we don't feel like doing. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. I have a similar situation where I have been actually this year, I'm trying to do less. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. My word of the year is focus. So I yeah. want to Oh, do... that's my word too. Here it is. We're alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, so in doing less, even my goals are like, I had goals for January that I achieved with like doing handstands and uh, stretching. Mm-hmm. And instead of in February, moving on to different goals. And I'm like, okay, yep. how do we dig deeper into this yes. one practice? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, like I want to do something new. Like this is me having conversations with myself. <laughs> yes. No, I feel you on that. I literally, I tell my clients, it's really about doing less really well. Mm-hmm. And then once you're able to like do this one thing, you could do it with your eyes closed, then it's time for you to move on. But in the beginning, I think that we, when we want more, we, our brain automatically thinks we have to do more. We have mm-hmm. to add more to our plate. And we don't realize that we're like self-sabotaging when we do that. Because right. you're not becoming an expert at like this one thing or doing it, you know, really, really well. Mm-hmm. When you first started uh, the formal term, popping off, it, as mm-hmm. it were, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when you first started to like gain traction and become more consistent, what do you feel like that one or maybe one or two things that you honed in on were? Yeah, definitely showing up consistently, mm-hmm. but, but showing up consistently with strategic converting content. So there's one thing to just show up consistently. Like you could post anything, but is it resonating with your audience? Like, is it making them do something or making them think? So I really needed to hone in on creating strategic converting content. That was the first thing, doing it consistently. And Mm -hmm. then the second thing I would say for me that really helped push the needle forward was moving forward with my investments. So I realized like the more money I started to make, the higher my investments were getting ready to be. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I really had to push through with. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I say that with my investments, I don't mean like, 
Well, I kind of do. Like, you know, you're working with a coach and then you're like, all right, now I'm going to work with my coach's coach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and it's like you're going up the ladder. But then also you're realizing, oh, wait, I have some like traumas here that's like blocking me that where I'm like self-sabotaging. I need a mindset coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's not like not only are you like going up the ladder coach wise, but then you're also adding in more people where you're now tackling these different elements that you didn't realize that you had. And I say business, like being a business owner really brings out some stuff. It brings <laughs> out some stuff that you didn't realize you were battling with, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like bringing on them, bringing on a bookkeeper, bringing on, you know, someone to really handle your taxes. So it's like with growth comes higher investments and, and bring on a team. And I think that that was why it was so difficult for me in the beginning was because I was everything, mm-hmm. you know, and you always will feel like no one else can do that better than me. I, let me just do it myself, mm-hmm. but it's, it's self-sabotaging. And I, that was another limiting mindset belief. Well, how come Ashley, you feel like no one else can do it as good as you? or better than you. Why do you feel like that? So these were things that I had to tackle. And I think that a lot of people don't talk about that, you know, like the, the traumas and the stuff where you're like, how come I feel like no one would, no one would want to work with me, or I'm going to be a one hit wonder. Oh, is it something that like, I just compartmentalized from when I was like 12, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's like those, those things where you're like, entrepreneurship is really bringing out, bringing out some traumas. So circling back a little bit, strategic Mm -hmm. converting content. What does that mean? Yeah. So for me, this is really creating content that is going to attract your ideal client to you. Mm -hmm. So for an example, right? Like we have about a good seven seconds for when a person lands on our profile for them to decide whether or not they are going to one, follow us and then two, work with us. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I say creating strategic converting content really pushes this forward with you signing clients more consistently, but also it's doing like the work for you 24 seven around the clock. So you want to create content that is going to speak to your ideal client and also help to engage them in conversation so they start to talk to you, you know, because conversions are going to happen through conversation. Mm -hmm. But what what it's also going to do is build that know, that like, and that trust. And a lot of times what I find is that with people that will land on my page, they've never, you know, heard of me before, and they'll just start binging my content because it's strategically posted, Mm -hmm. right? I'm strategically engaging you where you're commenting on stuff, where you're now wanting to watch this video too. And next thing you know, you've been on my page for two hours. Like Mm -hmm. that's something so common that a lot of my past clients and my clients now have told me where they, they were just stuck on my page for two hours. And within that two hour span, they send me a DM or they go to click the link in my bio and they figure out how can they work with me. Right. And that's what strategic converting content does. What it also does is it handles objections as well. So mm-hmm. I tell people like when you have someone that says like, oh, I can't afford it or like the price or things of that nature, lean into it and talk about it even more mm-hmm. because now you can handle it before you get on a sales call. If you're selling on a sales call, I just say just throw the whole call away because at this point, the person is getting on a call with you and they don't they don't see your value still. 
you know, mm-hmm. you still have to sell them on why you can help them. So that's why I love creating strategic converting content because it just works for you and it helps to close the sale before you even get on the call. Right, right. So how does a person get in the headspace of who they're talking to in order to make uh, that content? You know, because I think you would need to understand obviously Mm -hmm. what the person is struggling with, but Mm -hmm. going back to an example you were using where it's like, remember when you were just trying to sign that one client? Yeah. How do you get yourself back into that mindset and then answering the questions that you had at that time? That's a great question. Um, It was something that I struggled with for a while because I'm trying Mm -hmm. to like bring myself back there. And yeah, there were some key components that I was able to touch base on. But to be completely honest with you, I was so out of touch at that point because Mm -hmm. now my problems are different and I'm stuck on the problems that I currently have. So I tell people all the time, just do your market research, like ask the people that you're you're wanting to target these people. They're more than fine with telling you what their problems are. Why? Because they want a solution to it. Right. You know, and so it's it's really just about sliding into the DMs and do it organically. Like, don't be a creep. I hate mm-hmm. when people like just come out of nowhere and they start asking me all these questions. I'm like, what do you want from me? Right. You know, so I would do it organically. But and then also like utilize the Instagram options that you have. They love when you're using their features. So like using polls, using the questions option and then u- utilizing Facebook groups as well. Because people are in there and they're like literally telling all of the stuff that they're having issues with or Mm -hmm. also paying attention to like your comments. So if you put a post up and then someone says, oh, my gosh, this resonated with me so much because of blah, blah, blah. And they start spilling out their guts. Take that and put it into a spreadsheet. So that's what I love to do. Like when people are telling me what their problems are, I put in a spreadsheet and then I take that content and I throw it right back out at them within my marketing. So Mm -hmm. I'll literally just copy it paste it into my marketing, create a post around it, and then spill it right back out to them. And people will say, oh my gosh, it feels like, I feel like you're in my head. And I'm like, not really in your head. You told me it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just don't remember that you said it, but you said it. And now, now I got you. Like now mm-hmm. you're in my vortex of seeing everything. You're, go- you're going to want to see everything that I post now because I got you with like something that you told me, I don't know, a week ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you need to just be recording all of your, your conversations? (laughs) You being me being the listener, like, (laughs) Um, you know, you'll find like, as you continue to go through, like, as you continue to work with more people, talk to more people, have conversations with more people, everything that they say is so repetitive that Mm -hmm. eventually you won't even need the spreadsheet anymore you just know exactly the terms that you need to use. So this was, we, my clients and I were actually talking about this yesterday. We were talking about buzzwords. Mm-hmm. And I think that people really need to identify what are the buzzwords for their ideal clients. You know, for me, I know high ticket, quitting nine to five. Like there's just so many little things, you know, that um, you can really start to utilize within your marketing to really help move that needle forward with you signing high ticket clients consistently. Mm-hmm. This brings me to uh, another topic entirely. Do you still have a nine to five? Yes. Yes. Oh, man. We were just talking about this earlier with my client. Do you enjoy it? Are you really looking to quit it? I love it. So, okay. okay, So I work for L'Oreal. 
And there's so many perks that comes with working at L'Oreal. Well, the first okay. thing that came to mind is, oh, that's why the skin's popping. <laughs> Girl, okay. <laughs> these products. That's why ooh. she's glowing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> these products, like, retail, the price, oh, my gosh. And I get it for, like, a quarter of that. I'm like, why would I want to give that up? But mm-hmm. not only that, just, like, the atmosphere, my team that I work with, like, Everyone is just amazing. It's the best job I have ever had. And I was telling my client earlier today, I will not leave it until my business probably pushes me out of it. Mm. You know, and I love it because we were talking about imposter syndrome and she was saying how, you know, how can I, for an example, how can I help someone quit their nine to five when I haven't yet? And I'm like, well, girl, I'm working my nine to five and I'm talking to you right now. My last coach was making around $400,000 a year and was still working her nine to five because she just loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think like working and it does take balance. And, you know, thankfully for me, um, I am very well versed in my position where I know how to kind of get things done so I can focus on my business when I need to. Mm-hmm. But it, it can be strenuous, you know. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. I bring that up because... I think there is a, I think right now the thing that's in is to talk about quitting your nine to five, Uh, um, which I understand if you're not happy with it, but I personally have had a full like 180 on whether or not I wanted to continue working for someone else while Mm -hmm. also building up my own business. So I just wondered, yeah, I guess I just wondered how, how people are balancing that where it's like, can I sell to you about the nine to five while I'm still happily working at mine? Right. Yeah. I think that that's like a self-limiting belief Mm -hmm. because it's like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like me and my, me and my um, best boss friend, and we always say this was something that she came up with. The nine to five keeps the dream alive. Mm -hmm. And I wholeheartedly live that where well lived it right now my business I'm able to just use the funds from my business to pay for you know all this stuff but in the beginning I if I wanted to coach my business paid for I mean my my job paid for it my Mm -hmm. nine-to-five paid for it you know I was funding everything from my nine-to-five had I quit it I probably wouldn't be where I am now because I wouldn't have been able to afford to work with a coach that cost Mm $15,000, you know? Um, And so I think that people have to like get over that stigma of, oh, if I'm working a nine to five, I'm I'm not good enough to be able to teach this or no one's going to want to work with me. You know, there's so many people that are working nine to fives. You just don't know it. I know for me, like a lot of people, they don't even know that I work a nine to five because how I post, I'm usually like at home. Mm -hmm. But like when I have to go into the office, I'm batch creating a lot of stuff. So like, you know, a lot of times when you see me on my, on my stories and I'm talking and I'm in my bedroom, I might've recorded that yesterday and I'm just posting it today because I'm at, I'm in the office and I can't Mm -hmm. take the time, you know? So that comes with like being a founder and a business owner is really being able to manage your time. So you're able to still show up consistently and move your business forward, but still show up and be present at your nine to five and, you know, still do the work at the level that you were doing it prior to starting your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. I've been thinking a lot about this iceberg uh, theory or effect where you're really, you're only seeing what you're being presented. Yeah. And there's a lot, at least 80% of context that is hidden or covert. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So in terms of you being loving sales, I have two questions. First, Mm -hmm. what do you love about it? (laughs) What I love about sales is the fact that money is flowing. So what I say, what I mean by that is I love how, and this took me a while to, I wasn't always in this headspace, Mm -hmm. but I love the fact that when a person decides to sell themselves, they are not only helping themselves financially and, you know, they're also helping themselves like personally. And when I say that, I mean with them investing in themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're investing in themselves, they're helping themselves personally. But then when they decide to go out and sell themselves, they're helping somebody else who then in turn is now personally helping themselves. And that person can now go help someone else. And it just keeps flowing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about it is that the money is flowing into the pockets of all these different people and is being utilized as a resource for personal development and education. And that's what I really love about sales. I wasn't always like this, didn't always have this mindset. You know, there was a point in time when sales scared the crap out of me, but now I see the bigger picture of it. And that's why I love sales so much. And just the psychology behind it is like, um, some that's like probably a whole nother podcast, but mm-hmm. the psychology behind sales is just so intriguing and I'm always wanting to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes this podcast goes very neuroscience heavy, but it depends on, <laughs> I generally know the people are into that before we start talking about it. <laughs> yeah. So the second question about sales I was going to ask, which I think you've already answered is like, Were you one of those kids who got your mom to buy you candy and then you set up a candy store and you were reselling the candy? You know what I mean? Like, I was not. I was not. um, I grew up with my mom always telling me, save your money, save Mm -hmm. your money, save your money. And so for me, the idea was go to school, like go to college. I didn't have a choice. They, my parents just told me you're going to college. So, I didn't know. Sorry to cut you off, but uh-huh. I didn't know that college was optional until eleventh grade. <laughs> That's not a joke. Like that. That was big. <laughs> I really didn't know. Like, you're going to college. Like there is no, there is no option for you. Mm-hmm. You're going, and and so like for me, it was just you're going to go to college. You're going to get a corporate job. You're going to work your way up the ladder, and you're going to save your money. And so, yeah, like when I I did all of that and when I graduated, I could not get a job. Mm. It was kind of like, I don't, and you know, this is something that I think only black women and maybe women of color can really resonate with and understand. However, like I would have like these phone calls, the, the, you know, the over the phone interviews and they would go extremely well where I would be like, okay, this is the third time that they are you know, doing a phone interview. And now, okay, the last one is going to be in person. Mm -hmm. And I would walk into the room and everyone's face would just like be so puzzled because I think they thought I was white. Right. And, you know, I had one time where I went and, and the lady was like, I was interviewing for a totally different position. And then when I came in there and I'm just like, oh, here we go again. This is going to be another waste of time. I can tell she didn't realize, you know, that I was black. Mm-hmm. And she um, offered me a position where it was just like, literally went from like a manager role to all the way down 
like the very first entry level role that you could ever think of. And that was like my last straw. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. You know what? If no one wants to give me the opportunity, then I'm just going to create the opportunity myself. And so I got, there's a motto from my, um, from my university is called find a way or make one. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to make my own way. And uh, I started, I set up shop on my mom's dining room table and I started sewing. So I went to school for fashion design and merchandising. This is something a lot of people don't know. I don't talk about it that much. Um, But I went to school for fashion design and merchandising and I set up shop on my mom's dining room table and I just started to sew. And I started doing influencer marketing before it was really a thing. So Mm -hmm. I was the one on Instagram. It was so much easier to reach out to reality celebrities and their stylists back then and, and just tell them, hey, I'm going to send you this garment can you just put it on and wear it and just shout me out? There right. was no like, you know, contract or nothing like that. They were mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'm getting a free item. And all you want me to do is just, is just at you in the post. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. You know? And so when I started doing that, that business started to take off. But what I found was that I got burnt out because I'm working two jobs, two part-time jobs. Mm-hmm. Those were the only two jobs that I could get, right? Making like $7 an hour. And then I'm also sewing my life away and I got burnt out and I just stopped sewing one day and my clients were pissed off. They're like, where, what happened? Like, where did you go? Mm -hmm. And I've, I've been a person, I've always been in honors English class, you know, um, I've always loved to read and write. So I said, I'm going to start a blog. It's going to be called Miss Ashley Allison. Mm-hmm. Now you see where we're going here, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to start a blog. It's going to be called Miss Ashley Allison. And I'm just going to write about me finding a contractor to outsource and make the designs for me so that I can get the business back up and running. Mm-hmm. Well, as I started this blog, people start to ask me about the business. How did you start the business? How did you get all of this? Like, how did you get your clothes on reality stars and, and all of these different things? And I started to realize, oh, I can make money from this. Like I can monetize this. And that's how we're here now, mm-hmm. how I got into the coaching space. So yeah, that was a long-winded answer. But I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, you know, like the, you needed to hear like the journey in order to really understand it. But yeah, that's how I, how I got here now is really just from saying, okay, like, yeah, I thought I was going to be in corporate. Mm-hmm. It didn't really, it, it didn't work out that way, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. But you eventually sort of translated that experience to get a role at L'Oreal. Yeah. So I was working this position, hated it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, you know what, let me, let me just try to apply. Because to be honest with you, I was at this point where I was just like, I'm not applying for nothing else. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, I just felt defeated at that point. Right. But yeah, I applied and had the interview and my boss now just hired me right on the spot. And that was, that was just it for me. Like I was like, I'm out and now, yeah, but that's how, that's how I got the position at L'Oreal. I just kind of took a chance, you know, and just really prepared. And I said, if it's meant to be, it'll be. (laughs) Certainly. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Cacao. Now it's time for the seedling round where short questions lead to tasty answers. Oh, people are really eating it up lately. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) Why are you so generous with your time? Oh, why am I so generous with my time? Because there was a point in time when I felt like 
no one else was generous with me with their time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we need to pay it forward. The things that I didn't like that people were doing to me, I didn't want to be like them. Mm -hmm. Especially when you feel like you're at a point where people are like, they want your advice or they want your opinion on stuff. So I always make sure to be very generous with my time and answer things wholeheartedly, not say, oh, tell them the what and the why, but not the how. Mm -hmm. I just give it all out. Yeah, I do have to give shouts to you. I asked, I reached out to you about a sales video and I saw that you were typing and then I was like watching for a little while and then I put my (laughs) phone down. I came back 13 minutes later, you were still typing. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I get very detailed with stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what is your mission My mission is to help Black women and women of color to create generational wealth and time freedom. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Real straight to the point there with that one. (laughs) That's that. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you need to be reminded of? Oh, what do I need to be reminded of? I would say... I need to be reminded of like remaining in the present Mm. because so I do my meditation every single day, you know, but then when you reach a certain milestone, it's very easy not to uh, bask in it. And I tell my clients all the time, do as I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. And, and even I still struggle with this where I'm like, okay, how are we making sure to celebrate this milestone and really live within this, milestone so you can really take time to reflect and so that would be one thing that I would say that I constantly need to be reminded of and that I kind of remind myself of is enjoy this moment enjoy the journey stop chasing for like the next best thing or else you're never going to enjoy your life Mm -hmm. I haven't heard the word Basque in so long and it immediately (laughs) took me to Angela Bassett, like linen pants, yeah, like in the desert <laughs> waving, and I was like, "That's how you bask in a moment." <laughs> I love that. That's a good visual right there. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, cacao. That ends the seedling round. So I like to end on two things. What mm-hmm. is your greatest ambition? I would I would take that back to my mission. To uh-huh. be honest with you. I would say that that is the ambition is to help black women and women of color create generational wealth in the time of freedom. Like that, that is my motivation, my why that's yeah, that, that would be my ambition. Yeah. Yeah. And what is the question of the week? The question of the week, like a question that I have a question you have or a question for the listeners to, to sit with. I would give a question to the listeners, which would Mm -hmm. be, are you creating, are you speaking and, and coming out with content that your audience wants and needs, or Mm -hmm. are you coming out with content that you assume they want and need? Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Miss trigger queen. Here she is. (laughs) (laughs) Ending it with a trigger there. (laughs) How can people connect with you? Yeah, so you can connect with me and find me at on Instagram at M-I-S-S-A-S-H-L-E-Y-A-L-L-I-S-O-N, Miss mm-hmm. Ashley Allison. 
And yeah, feel free to shoot me a DM. My DMs are always open. Mm-hmm. Like literally, they're always, <laughs> always open. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you so much. I enjoyed this. This was fun. <laughs> Great. I'm so happy you liked it. And hey, listener, I didn't forget about you. If you liked it, please subscribe, rate and review, and share it with a friend. I'm sure there are many gems that your friends can get from this episode. Come back next week.